So I mentioned Tom's going to come and preach. You know, Tom is not a guy who does this regularly. And he's done a really great job the first two messages. So I think you're in for a really great message. Uh, but also, you know, he, he's done it twice already. He might be kind of tired. Could you guys give him a real vigorous round of applause just to get him encouraged and give him energy to get up and get going? Okay. okay. I'm kind of getting pumped there. A... You, you guys want to see the Doug walk? Okay. I thought about doing this just to come in this way. Can't kind of hear how, because I've seen this for so many years. I thought, well, in fact, I purposely didn't come in this way because I thought, oh, I'd, I'd have to imitate the dog walk. But it's kind of like this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was hoping I wasn't the only guy that noticed that. That could have fallen real flat. Uh, you know, when you when you come to this pulpit, it, I, I'm, I'm just so thankful uh, for my church. Um, I understand we're 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 you know we're filled with sinners and hypocrites, and I'm a prime example. I freely admit that, um, but I like us, I really do. And on any uh, you know on any Sunday morning. You can walk down this hall and see those beautiful children in there, and and Megan and her her team of volunteers are caring for and loving uh, those small children, and and you can go downstairs and see those classrooms and Marsha and Lisa and their and their team are uh, investing their lives in those kids, and, and that included in the last hour uh, three of my Armory grandkids. So I like our church. And as our kids get older, Melissa Kyle and, and, and her squad are investing their lives in, in challenging our youth as they grow in grace and knowledge of God. I'm encouraged by our church. And then when you come upstairs and you come into this foyer, um, it's patrolled by our connections pastor. And she's looking, she's looking for how she can get to know people and how she can help them find their place here in our body. It used to be a guy could be anonymous here, you know. You could, you could kind of sneak out and not know anybody. And, uh, you know, you get a little too much dwell time there, and next, to know, you're, you're on, next thing you know, you're on one of these teams I'm talking about. <laughs> and it's a great thing. It's where you need to be. And you come in this sanctuary and, Pastor Paul and his team, or, or Jennifer and that beautiful choir leading us in worship and inviting us to, to open our hearts and to meet God here. I'm thankful to worship here. And then from this very pulpit, this very pulpit, week by week, Pastor Doug and Pastor West feed us the Word of God, encouraging us, encouraging us to seek His kingdom and His righteousness. I'm thankful for First Covenant. All these people, these, these pastors and staff, they're working just as I, as I mentioned here. It's like Ephesians 4.12 says. They're working to equip us. Okay? What I mentioned is not the real work of the church. The real work of the church is what we do. They're here to equip us for works of service and for building up this body. I like this body. I like our vision statement. 
It's so simple. I like the first covenant cheer. Deeper in Christ. 810, 810 whipped you guys. It's bad. I mean, 810 doesn't even start till halfway back, guys. Deeper in Christ. Further in mission. It's the last time we'll ever do that here. I know it. I've been, as Wes said, I've been working on the Alpha Course a long time. Uh, I've, I've kind of worked my way up. I've, I've, I've been a director. I've been a small group leader. I've been a small group helper. I've done cleanup. I've done childcare. I live to tell about it. My last assignment, I was the joke guy. We're not going to do that today. Okay. We even have a joke on Alpha. Just... You know, after we eat together, uh, just just so we all relax together. It's a, and Wes said it. You know, it's what what we really try Alpha to have Alpha be is a safe place where you can bring your friends. And uh, you know, perhaps I, I've had in the past. I've had even a friend that um, that said to me, you know, we do, we just just a conversation, a simple conversation at work. We you know we haven't figured out this church thing yet. Um, he brought it up. I, I, I don't know that I, I, I ever had a spiritual conversation with him in the past. And, and I was able to say, wow, you know, why, why don't you come with me and try this Alpha course we have? Um, you know, there's an inter- introduction night where you come and, and see if you would like to take uh, the Alpha course. That's, that's what you invite people from. Um, came, he and his wife, and stayed the whole Alpha course. And, uh, and in fact, at the end of that, he and his wife both committed their lives to Christ. Um, amazing thing that happens. It's a, it's a safe place. It's a tool that we have here in our body of Christ, a tool, a place where we can bring others in and we know they'll be respected and, and we know they'll learn. We know that, that uh, the things we have to teach them there on, on Alpha are they're, they're interesting. They're so important no, for whatever stage of your faith you're in. Okay, here's the topics. Who is Jesus? Why did Jesus die? How can I have faith? Why and how should I read the Bible? Why and how do I pray? Who is the Holy Spirit? Week by week we go through those, and then when we when we we always meet together in small groups, we break down in small groups, and here's the. Here's the prime question we ask. Here's what we really want to know. And we really do want to know. What do you think about this topic? What did it make you feel? What goes through your mind as we went through this topic? And it's so important that people have a place where they can come and they can say what they think about those things and where they can ask the questions that they have. I'm so glad, too, that this morning... I don't. I don't want to belabor that. I, you know, there's a there's a table out there, and it has information about the Alpha Course, and and this is this is First Covenant. We, what what we're to concentrate on is the Word of God here. So I would encourage you go out and find out about that Alpha Course, and uh, and maybe this is the time for you to come, for you to come and and bring a friend. And now we're going to go to the Word of God. And we're going to see what it tells us. I, 
And to me, this is a, this is an this passage. This is an alpha passage in the Bible. I read it and said, "Oh my, that's like the alpha course." And I know that probably two years ago I preached a different sermon about another passage that I thought, "Oh, this was the the penultimate alpha passage." And it turns out that every passage where Jesus is interacting with people is a, is a good alpha passage. Let's pray before we get into this into this wonderful story. Father God, um, open your word to us. Open our eyes and our hearts to learn from this, your word, in John 4. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, John 4. What a passage. comes right after John 3. Most of, <laughs> um, this, this is like remedial sermons, right? Yeah. <laughs> Most famous verse from the Bible, right? John 3, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. We, we know that one, okay? That's Jesus and his exchange with Nicodemus, the Jew of Jews that happened in Jerusalem. And now from that place, Jesus and his followers are walking up north and they pass through Samaria on their way home, back to their home up in Galilee. Can you imagine how much they learned just walking day by day with Jesus on their way on their way home the conversations that they must have had at that time and as they passed through samaria open open land um, and and the land of a people that uh, they have a lot of enmity with okay jews and samaritans um, because of their history when we, we won't get into now there's a lot of animosity between these groups this uh, this is a, uh, a chapter that may have a lot to say to us as we read on the news every day about animosity between groups that, and the, uh, the, the, the dire consequences that it, it has for our society. Suffice it to say, Jews and Samaritans don't associate with one another. As they're passing through, they stop at the town of Sychar. The disciples go in, in the town to... Uh, to buy provisions. Not every town would sell them food for the journey, um, but apparently it works at Sychar. They go in and Jesus sits down. I used to read this chapter and say, wow, this is a story of a chance meeting of Jesus sitting beside a well and, and, and a woman coming out and he gets to talk to her. And look what happens when Jesus has a chance meeting with someone. But now I know that's not the case. Jesus knows this woman, he knows everything about her. And when Jesus sits down by this well, it's so that he can have a meeting with this woman. He knows that she's going to come out. He knows she's going to come out at this hour. And he knows that they're going to have this interaction. I once said to a friend of mine, you know, I, I was reading a passage of Scripture about Jesus interacting with his disciples and it is about the, when, where Jesus goes out and walks on the and walks on the water, and I said, you know, I'm I'm reading this, and I said, I think this is a setup. I think, I think Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. And my friend said, Tom, they're all setups. <laughs> and so is this one. He's waiting for it, as we find out in the story. Jesus cares very much about this woman, and here she comes. She's out in the 
in the noonday time, an unusual thing for a woman to come in the noonday heat alone to collect water. Jesus opens their interaction by, by asking a very simple question. Will you give me a drink? The way I imagine this, because of the animosity between these groups and because of her answer, I imagine that she's drawing water from this well with a good, sturdy rope. Because if you're going to come day, day in and day out to gather water, you need a good rope that's not going to break. Good, sturdy rope. And she's standing over that well on flat rocks. And when she makes this answer to him, the way I imagine the scene, and we are left to enter into the story and, and imagine what's going on, she doesn't even grant him the respect of eye contact. She looks down at what she's doing and she answers, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. There's two counts why you shouldn't be talking to me, right? How can you ask me for a drink? And then she says, literally, we don't even drink from the same cup. And Jesus answered her. This is, this is the verse. If, if John 3.16 is the most famous, this is the verse that I, I think should be the second most famous. If you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. I love this verse. How many times have I thought in my mind and said, if they just knew, if they just knew who Jesus was, they'd want to ask him. And, and I know he'd deliver and he'd give them living water. A friend of mine, uh, in fact, a friend that, that, that led me to Christ, he has a corollary of this. He says, I think that if people just knew how much God loves them, They'd want to love him back. If they just knew the gift of God. What, what an offer that Jesus has just made to this Samaritan woman who's really, uh, who's really uh, offered a smart aleck response to him. There's tension between the two as the story goes on. Sir, she says, you don't have anything to draw with. And this well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? She's referring to Jacob, the patriarch, the the greatest figure that she can uh, imagine in history. Who gave us us this well and, and drank from it himself? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water is going to get thirsty again. Whatever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Okay? He's talking in spiritual terms and she keeps she she keeps thinking in spiritual terms. She's she's on the same level with Nicodemus, right? Jesus said, You've got to be born of the Spirit. And he said, How can I go in my mother's womb again? You know, how how's it work? We're stuck in the in, we're stuck in our own paradigm. The woman said to him, now mind you, there's, there's been a tremendous offer made to her. I can give you living water. Jesus always makes these statements that elicit a response. Okay? She can respond to him. You know, even people that, that came to him and said, uh, you know, the, the blind man comes. He says, what do you want? 
He has to ask for it, right? I want to be healed. Jesus was always asking people, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? And he, when he makes this statement to her and says, I can give you living water, what's she got to do to get that living water? She's got to ask for it, right? And, and, and what's it going to take? What's it going to take for her to ask? It would take faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. How much faith would it take? How much faith is it going to take for her to ask God? A lot? Let's see. A little? What did Jesus say? How much faith is it going to take to move mountains? Mustard seed. He says, if you had a tiny bit of faith, I could work with that. Okay. She takes a step forward towards faith when she says, Sir, give me this water. I'll try it, she's saying. Give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to come and, and keep coming here to draw water. She doesn't even understand fully. She's still stuck in the physical paradigm. But it's good enough. It's a step for him. And she's rewarded. She's actually rewarded for taking a step toward Jesus. And she's rewarded by a revelation of who he is. He says, go. Call your husband and come back. I have no husband. You're right when you say you have no husband. fact is you have five husbands. And the man you have now is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. Wow. If that woman wasn't, if she wasn't looking at Jesus before, I think she's looking now, isn't she? She's got her eyes wide, wide open. And she's saying, she's trying to process all that. How, how did that happen? She's received an amazing revelation that this is beyond uh, the average man that she's come to meet at the well. And, and for us, the brokenness of this woman is, is revealed. Um, five marriages and now someone else's husband. And we, are, we also are alerted to why she's alone at the well in the middle of the day when collecting water would have been an activity that all the women, it's a social event that people do Women do in the uh, in the cool of the evening together. Sir, the woman said, I see that you're a prophet. <laughs> this is a holy man she's faced with. She whips out her biggest spiritual question. Okay? If you met the greatest Jewish prophet, what would you ask him? As a Samaritan, she asked this one. It's on her mind. You Jews say... Well, our, our, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. Here's where we worship. But you Jews claim the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. What is it? A or B? Here on the mountain or Jerusalem? Here on the mountain, Jerusalem. Kind of has, has the feel of a trap, doesn't it? That, that, oh, if it's in Jerusalem, she can say, well, get lost. I can't go to Jerusalem. I'm not even accepted in Jerusalem. We're not welcome in Jerusalem. We can't worship there. It's got to be here. He won't say that because, well, he's Jewish and he's a Jewish prophet. A or B, what is it, Jesus? Jesus says, it's not where, it's how. Time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. In spirit, he's already offered to her, right? He said, ask. And I'm going to give you this, 
this living water. Okay? And in truth, it's going to have to be from your heart. It can't be by rote. It can't be what tradition taught you. It can't be that you're doing it because your forefathers told you that you worship here and this is how you worship. It's going to have to be in truth. And it's going to have to be from your heart. These are the kinds of worshipers the Father seeks. Words that are true, not just for this Samaritan woman, but they're true for us today. The woman says, I know, I know Messiah. I know Messiah's coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. This alerts us that God has prepared this woman for this meeting with Jesus. This is not something that God hasn't known about for a long time that it's going to happen. And she's been prepared. You know, when people come on the Alpha Course, I told you that, that I even had a friend came, accepted Christ on the Alpha Course. And we see people come and they, and they accept Christ on the Alpha Course. I've never met one of them. And I'm, I'm intensely interested in how people come to know our Lord. And I, I've never met one of them that hadn't been prepared in some way. We, we reap where others have sown, and someone has sown in her life. Her hope, her hope is that she will one day meet Messiah. She's already ready. The ground is, is fertile, and it's prepared, despite who she is. And Jesus said to her, I, the one, the one speaking to you, I am He. I am. He uses the same words that God uses to describe himself, I am. Alerting us that you're dealing with deity here. Jesus himself. Now, also in the story, there's the, there's the Jesus followers, the disciples. Okay? How many of you would consider yourselves to be Jesus followers? I am? Yeah, you, I guess that doesn't take a show of hands here, is it? Uh, well, it's okay. If you, it's, it's great if you're not, in fact. It would be a great place for you to be if you're not a Jesus follower yet. Um, sometimes I describe myself as a Jesus follower or a Christ follower. I'm, I prefer that term over uh, Christian because, I, I, you know, Christian is, if you say I'm a Christian, people think they know what that is. Okay? And, and they have all these biases and prejudices about what a Christian is and how they're going to vote in the next election and everything. And I, and I, don't, I don't like that. I, I like to describe myself. I, I, I love to describe myself as a follower of, of Christ. Well, we, the Christ, Christ followers, we don't come out real good in this story. Okay? The disciples show up and uh, they offer Jesus food. Jesus tells him, but I don't want to eat. I have food that you don't know about. Okay? He's speaking in spiritual terms to them as well, and they don't get it any more than the woman does. They say, did somebody bring him food? What, what's going on here? What he's letting them know is that the work that I've been doing here, what really satisfies me is doing my Father's will. And my Father's will is that I would come to this place and talk to this woman who I care about very deeply. That's his food. Okay? And he lets them know too, besides that, there's a field here. It's white for harvest. It's ready. And other people have even sown good seed here. Okay? And, and God wants these people for eternal life. 
And you guys don't even see him. If Jesus wouldn't have been talking to this woman, they would have walked, walked right past her. It's not that they, they would have had not disliked her. They wouldn't have even noticed her. It's a Samaritan woman. They're not even seeing. Oh, I don't know about you, but I don't know that I'm any... I, I assume... I assume that I am not as good a Christ follower as these guys were who walked with Jesus. What? Who am I overlooking? Who are you overlooking? Okay. Who do you not see that uh, really needs to hear? Really needs to hear uh, about this living water? It's a scary passage for me. In the meantime, the woman leaves her jar of water, her vessel of water by the well, and she becomes herself a vessel, returns to her village, and she gives testimony. She becomes one of the first evangelists that we read about, and a very good evangelist too, because when she goes and tells what happened, she points people directly to Jesus and not to herself. And her testimony is, is, is also a confession. Here is a man, she says, who told me everything I ever did. They're aware of what she did. And they hear it from her lips. And it must have been an astounding, an astounding testimony. Because here comes the village. This, here comes this village of Samaritans out to see a Jewish prophet. And find out for themselves. They persuade him to stay with him two days. You'd think that the Christ followers were out of their comfort zone before. How about when he says, hey guys, we're staying here two days. Oh my gosh. This was not going to be easy for them. Eventually they said to her, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. They said, you were right. You were right. What you told us was right. And we went out and we, we've, we've spent time with him ourselves. And we, now we know. There's the twist to the story. Okay? What was the outcast in the beginning of this story um, becomes the vessel that Jesus uses to draw an entire community to himself. Boy, you can't make this stuff up. Why does this remind me of the Alpha Course? All right. Here's some ways this is like the Alpha Course. Okay. Jesus gave this Samaritan woman an opportunity to learn about him. That's what the setup was. She gets to spend time with Jesus. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink... We just want people to know that gift of God, don't we? And so in the same way on Alpha, we attempt to give our guests, people who can walk through those doors and into our fellowship hall, an opportunity to spend time with Jesus. On the Alpha, of course, Jesus is present. He's present in His Word. He's present in us, wherever two or more of us are gathered in His name. He's present in His Spirit. You know, we always pray, come Holy Spirit. And He does. 
And our prayer is that our guests will know who he is, not us. And that they will, they will eventually, they will ask him for living water. Now notice, and this is real important, it's real important just not on the Alpha Course, but it's real important how we interact with, uh, with unbelievers. Jesus does not pressure this woman. He, he engages her in a dialogue. She's free to move forward towards him. She's free to test him, to ask questions of him. She's free to try him and say, give me that water. Or she's free to leave. But there's nothing in what he says to her that, that pressures her or forces her. He gives her freedom. And in fact, that's the only way that faith can be exercised. If she's going to move towards him, it's got to be of her own free will. And likewise, we know that Jesus cares very much about the people that comes on the Alpha Course and that we don't want to pressure our guests. We work hard to make it a very non-pressured environment, a safe place for them to be. Jesus knows everything about this woman. He knows everything about her past. He knows who she is in relation to her family, in relation to her community. And he also tells his followers that talking to this woman satisfies him more than food. And that this is what he came here to do. He knows this woman and he cares for every guest that comes through to the Alpha Course. Every person that you encounter in your daily life, in fact. Jesus cares for that person very much. And that should be reinforced to us when we read this chapter of Scripture. Even though Jesus knows everything about this woman... She, he knows everything she's done in the past, everything she will do. What he offers her, this village adulteress, is not condemnation. What he offers her is an invitation. Okay? He knew all along, all along who she was. And he says, I'll give you living water. Remember, this is Jesus. This is the man that welcomes sinners and eats with them. He knows that eventually he will give his life for this woman's sins. He says, come, here is living water. And we want to treat our guests on Alpha in the same manner. This, has, this woman has questions about God and about faith. And Jesus is not afraid to hear her questions. Okay. And the, on the Alpha course we say, bring your questions. In fact, it's, it's on the front of the... You see, got questions? Bring them. People really do have questions. And they need to know there's a place where they can ask those questions and be taken seriously. In the end, Jesus uses this woman to invite her whole community to faith. So many times we see people that come to the Alpha Course, they come alive in Christ, and the next thing you know, they're bringing their next friend. Um, you know, when people come, as I said before, they've always had some preparation. You know, probably the friend that God wants you to bring on the Alpha Course, he's already been prepared. He or she, they've already been prepared. God's, God's already working in their life probably in a way that you, you don't even know. Okay? But I've never met, I've never met somebody 
that, that came on the Alpha Course that hadn't already been prepared and, and therefore had this curiosity about who God is. Um, so what do we do from here? Um, of course, my hope is that um, if you haven't been on the Alpha Course, you'll come. Uh, my hope is you'll bring, you'll bring a friend. Um, and and when, I, when I say that, I wouldn't, personally, I wouldn't invite a friend to come to the whole Alpha Course. I, I, I don't do it. I think it's, it's too much to understand and bite off all at once. Um, the best thing to do is invite a friend to the introduction. Okay. I'm, I'm thinking about taking this course. Would you like to come with me and see if you'd like to take it? See how much freedom you've given your friend, how much pressure you've not put on your friend. Um, and then you can decide when you find out about it. Then you have the opportunity to decide if, if you'd like to take this course with me. Um, here's another challenge I'd have for you. Uh, some of us here, we, we're, we're like that woman at the well. And we need, to take, we need to take the next step towards Jesus. Okay, We need to exercise our faith. Um, we've been here a long time. Now it's time for us to say, Jesus, I, I, want, I want more of you. I, wanna, I want you to become my Savior, just like that woman had you become her Savior. Okay? If, if that's the case, um, you know, come and see me. Come and see Pastor, Pastor Wes is going to be here, uh, Pastor Doug. I, I'd love to talk to you about that. I'd, I'd love to pray with you about that very topic. And I challenge you to... Nothing challenges us. Nothing speaks to us. Nothing gives us direction for the next step in our lives like the Word of God does. Take this home. John 4. It it comes right after John 3. John 4. Read it again today. You know, sometimes you sit down, you talk about the sermon. Read this again. Let it soak in. And pray about what, what would God have you do in your life as a result of your encounter with His Word in this chapter. Let's pray together. Father God, we've, we've read Your Word. And, it, and it's, it's such a good Word. And it's so full. And it, it speaks to us today into our lives in the same manner that it spoke to this woman and her community so many years ago. Um, what shall we do with it? Father God, we ask your, your direction. We put our hope in you. And we ask that you would guide and direct. Use your word in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.